You are listening to the Impact Church Podcast. To learn more about Impact Church, visit us online at impactharlem.org. You can also check us out on social media. Man, y'all glad to be here? Hey, all, all around the world today, churches are proclaiming the fact that the tomb is empty. Amen? Hey, that's, that's what it's about. That's why we do everything we do here at Impact Church. It's because the tomb is empty. It's because we serve a God who sent a Savior on a rescue mission for me and for you. And we needed to be rescued. Man, and as we, as we move along in this service, I just want to tell you what my goal is for us today. My goal is not to try to trick you or manipulate you into believing something that you don't want to believe. My goal is to tell you the truth of the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to look at the good news of the gospel of Jesus. And the good news is He loves you. The good news is He loves me. The good news is no matter how jacked up you are, and if you're, not a, if you're not a member here, if this is your first time, man, thank you for coming, but our people know how jacked up I am, right? So, man, and if he can love somebody like me, he can love you, and he does. Man, and if you leave this morning hearing nothing else, hear this, that God loves you. He loves you because he created you to bear his image to be in relationship with Him. And man, He wants nothing more for you than that. And I, I was going to tell you a dad joke because I'm just a dad joke kind of guy, but my wife said not to do it. But I, I, I might, so here it is, okay? So I was, I was a little afraid this morning because if you know what kind of truck I drive, it's really old and some would say raggedy and it's just, it, it's, it's tough, right? So I was lucky to get here with the truck because it's only working like every other day. I think it's the alternator. You'll get that in a minute. So that was the dad joke. Man, I'm so glad to see you here in this place. And we're here because there's, there's something right inside of us that said, hey, it's Easter and I need to go to church. And maybe for some of you, you haven't been to church in a long time. Maybe this is your first time attending a church in months, in years. And what I want you to know is that you are welcome here. Because we're just a hospital for sinners where the, the, the ultimate, the great physician is working in our hearts and in our lives. So thank you for being here. We're going we're gonna to be this morning in John chapter 3. And we're going to look at one verse in John chapter 3. And yes, it is John 3.16. Now, there's some popular verses in Scripture, right? There's, just, there's verses that get printed on T-shirts. There's verses that people write down on a sticky note and stick on their mirror. There's a ton of verses. Uh, Philippians 4.13 is one, right? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's just a, a popular verse. Another one is Jeremiah 29.11, where God says, Hey, I, I know the plans I have for you, right? Plans to prosper you. And then one is Matthew 6.33. That was mine growing up. I wrote it in my baseball hat. I'm not sure that I actually lived by this verse. Actually, I did not at all live by this verse. But it says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. 
This is how I know I didn't live by that verse because I thought I was seeking him and I thought he was going to add some professional baseball onto me and he didn't, right? So it's just I wasn't doing it right or something. But there's no verse more popular, more common than John 3.16. It's everywhere. It's on eye black for football players, right? If you're a, a Florida Gator fan, I'm going to pray for you. But also, Tim Tebow always had 316 on his eye black, right? So if people asked about it, he could share that verse with people. But this is what I know, is that we hear these verses, we see what's written or what's spoken in Scripture, and we just get a little snippet of what it is. And I believe with all of my heart that if we can really put the verse back into the context in which it was written, which it was spoken, it just becomes that much more powerful. So this morning what I want to do is I want to put John 3.16 in the context in which Jesus said it. And then I want us to see how we can apply that to our life and why the resurrection matters. Because it matters. Man, the resurrection matters. So what is John 3.16? It's going to be up here for you. I want us to read this out loud together. John 3.16 says this, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. Let's pray. God, I pray this morning that You speak through Your Spirit. God, I pray that it's You doing all the work in this place. God, that You draw people unto Yourself like only You can. We're going to give You the honor and the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. So here's the context of John 3.16. We have this religious dude named Nicodemus, who's a Pharisee. And all that means is that he's a religious dude. Like, he knows the Old Testament Scripture. He, he's memorized it. What Pharisees did is when they, were, when they started school, what we would call kindergarten, they would go to school, the rabbi, the teacher would give them a tablet, not one of these, think like Flintstone-type tablets, right? They would get this tablet soaked in honey. First day of school, kindergarten, honey all over the tablet. I can't even fathom a kindergartner with honey all over the tablet. And it's not just one, it's all of them. And then the, the teacher and the rabbi would tell them, because they're so excited and they're licking it and the honey's everywhere and the honey's getting on their neighbors, there's just honey. They're just in love, right? I love school, right? Have you ever heard somebody, maybe kids say I love school. When you get in middle school, it's over, right? I don't love school anymore. But here's the thing. The rabbi, the teacher, would say something like, the way that your tongue longs for that honey, may your soul long for the Word of God. And they would begin to memorize the Old Testament. So the reason they did this is so when the Messiah came, that they would be the first to recognize that it was the Messiah. So they knew the law, they knew the Old Testament. These were, these were some really knowledgeable, educated guys, and Nicodemus is one of these. And just to keep it short, we're going to call him Nick for the rest of this message, okay? So Nick's really smart, and um, he had honey in kindergarten, right, all over the place. And I remember, man, Alden, my, my youngest, we, he likes Nutella, right? I don't know why anybody would like Nutella. It's, it's horrible. But he would eat Nutella, just bread Nutella, right? So I remember one time he was eating this. There's, there's Nutella, Nutella, whatever, everywhere. Face, hair, arms, everywhere. I think I get it cleaned up, right? And then I'm about to give him a bath, so I take his diaper off, Nutella. M maybe. Maybe that was Nutella. I'm not sure what that was. But that's what kids do. So there's honey everywhere. 
at this school and then we have these people grow up and they know the scripture, they teach the scripture, they become the rabbis, they become the teachers. So Nicodemus goes to Jesus in John chapter 3 and says, hey, what, who are you? I know that you have to be from God because there's no way that you can do the things that you're doing apart from God. But he's still not really understanding what's happening. He's not understanding that this is the Messiah. This is the Savior of the world standing in front of him. And Jesus says, hey, so Nick, you have to be born again in order to enter the kingdom of heaven. He goes like PhD top level stuff with with Nicodemus. And Nicodemus is like, what are you talking about? Can you enter again into your mother's womb? And Jesus is like, whoa, back up, Scooter. We're not talking about that kind of stuff, right? We, there, there's nothing like that going on, but you have to be born again. And, and Nicodemus is just missing it. And I want to give you some rules for salvation this morning. And the first rule is this, that it doesn't matter what you know. It doesn't matter how smart you think you are or how dumb you think you are. It doesn't matter how knowledgeable of Scripture you are because Nicodemus was the most knowledgeable and had no clue what it meant to have a relationship with Jesus. So, man, maybe that encourages some of you. Maybe you're sitting there like, yeah, people tell me I don't know stuff all the time. Well, guess what? Good news. Jesus wants you. And it doesn't matter what you know and it doesn't matter what you don't know because Jesus is all that matters in the equation. So here we have Nicodemus, who Jesus is about to have to get on his level. So he starts pulling out some rabbi tricks here for Nehemiah or for Nicodemus. And he says this. He says he's going to do three things. He's going to tell them three stories because that's what Jesus does. He talks and that's what rabbis do. They tell them stories of three so people can really understand. So he says, hey, do you remember Moses? And Nicodemus is like, of course I remember Moses. I've been teaching Sunday school for 50 years. I get it. I get the whole story of Moses. So he says, hey, when, when Moses led the people out, they were all in the wilderness. They were snake bitten by poisonous snakes, and they were all dying from the inside out. God tells Moses to lift up a serpent on a stick, and the serpent that is high and lifted up, whoever looks at him will be healed, not on the outside, but from the inside out. Right? So it's a picture of Jesus, and Jesus tells Nicodemus here in John chapter 3, that's me. I am him that is high and lifted up. Whoever looks at me, whoever fixes his eyes on me, whoever believes in me will be saved from the inside out. And that's on the hills of John 3.16. Then this is the second story that he's going to tell to help Nicodemus remember or to understand who he is. In John 3.16, he says, For God so loved. And he pulls out another rabbi trick here called proto-logos is what it's called. And that literally means first words. And what they would do is they would, they would say something and, man, the, the people they were talking to or trying to teach, they would recognize a word that they say and they would go back to the first time that word was used in Scripture. So when Jesus says, for God so loved Nicodemus, there was a light bulb that had to go off to say, hey, the first time that the, the word love was used, in this way, was back in Genesis chapter 22. And what do we see in Genesis chapter 22? We see the story of Abraham and Isaac. And just a little background of Abraham. Abraham, God came to Abraham one day and said, hey, I'm choosing you. You're going to be the father of many nations. Abraham's like, that's cool, but I'm really old and I have no kids. So good luck with that. And um, God's like, hey, so I want you to move to the place I'm going to tell you. So Abraham goes and talks to his wife, Sarah, and says, hey, 
I've been talking to God, and she's like, finally, that's great. I'm proud of you. What did he say? And Abraham's like, he told us to move. What's the next question the wife's always going to ask? Where? Where are we moving? And Abraham says, he said he'd tell us when we get there. So the Bible's all about Abraham having this great faith. But man, look at the faith of Sarah. It's like, okay, well, I guess he'll tell us when we get there. I can't even get my family to get in the car with me unless we know exactly where we're going, how long it takes to get there, and how long we're going to stay. And Sarah's like, yeah, cool, man. Let's go. Man, that's a wife right there. So here they go. They're moving. And man, God has promised Abraham, right? Hey, you're going to be the father of many nations. And this is what doesn't happen. The next day, Sarah doesn't get pregnant. It's years and years and years and years before God fulfills the promise. Man, and some of you are sitting in this room thinking, man, God has promised something to me, but I don't see it. And I just want you to know that God doesn't work on our timetable. Man, He is sovereign and He works on His timetable. But He's a good, good Father who loves to give good gifts to His kids, and He always keeps His promises. But in the midst of this 20 or so years, Abraham does a lot of shady stuff, right? Even though Sarah's old, and I like to say older than dirt, right? I mean, she was just old. She must have still been good looking because everywhere they went, like the ruler of that land wanted her to be his wife. So Abraham being scared and looking out for himself is like, yeah, she's not my wife. She's, she's like my sister, man, so you can have her take her. So she's a great wife. We see that he's not so great of a husband. Right? For one, he's a liar. He really pimps out his wife. And he's looking out for his own skin. But God says, hey, your faith has been counted to you as righteous. Not your actions, not what you've done, but what you have believed. And he was a jacked up dude. God didn't choose him because he was a good guy. God chose him because he loved him and wanted to use him. And I want you to know that God doesn't choose people because they're great people. God chooses people because they're His people. And He loves them. And so the second thing we see, not, it's not just, man, it doesn't matter what you know, but it also doesn't matter what you've done. And I want you to, I want you to just let those things go in your mind this morning. Because as we get into the application of this, I want your mind to be clear. It doesn't matter how much you know, and it doesn't matter what you've done. Man, your past does not define you. Jesus defines you. And the Word of God defines you. His Word, His truth, His Scripture defines who we are as His sons and His daughters. And I want you to take hope in that promise and that truth this morning. Alright, so there's the context, there's the setup. That gives us to Genesis 22. Maybe you know the story, maybe you don't. I'm just going to quickly read this story and then we're going to see how this all points back to Jesus. In Genesis 22, by the way, Abraham and Sarah finally have a son. They finally are getting this promise fulfilled, right, before chapter 22. And man, his name is Isaac, which means laughter, because when God said, hey, you're finally having a kid, they were like really old then, really, really old, and they just started laughing. So then they named their son Isaac. If you didn't know that, that's free. Take it with you. 
So here we go. Genesis 22, starting in verse 1. After these things, what things? The things that I just told you. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham. And he said, here I am. He said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love. This is the first time the word love is used the way it's used in John 3.16. So this is what makes Nicodemus go back to Genesis 22 because this is the first time it was used. Take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled the donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. Verse 4, on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took in his hand the fire and the knife. So they went both of them together. And Isaac said to his father, Abraham, my father. And he said, here I am, my son. He said, behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they both went together. When they came to the place of which God had told him, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. He said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of that place the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. I know that's a lot, and I just want to very quickly, this is what's going on. God says, Abraham, I want you to take your son, and I want you to offer him to me. This is his one and only son. And maybe some of you, you grew up in, in church, and you know that he did have another son. But he had another son because he slept with their servant to have a son because they just didn't trust God to do enough. So it really wasn't the son that God had given them. Isaac was this one and only son whom he loved. And God says, hey, I want you to go up here and I want you to sacrifice this. I want you to sacrifice this one thing that you love more than anything else to me. And he goes with, with a couple guys. They get there. After three days, he sees the place that they're supposed to go. He puts the wood on the back of his son. And they climb the mountain. And his son, who, when I was hearing this story as a kid, would always think he was just a, a young little boy, right? Straight out of diapers and Nutella. And that's, that's, not what, that's not the truth. The truth is he was probably about 16, 17, 18 years old. So he knew everything that was happening. He was old enough to carry the wood up the mountain. And he says, hey, so we have the fire, we have the wood, but where's the sacrifice? And Abraham says, hey, the Lord will provide for himself a sacrifice. I want you to see in this story that 
When they're about to go up, he tells his men, hey, stay here. Me and the boy are going to worship and me and the boy are coming back to you. So although he had no idea how God was going to keep his promise, he had no idea how God was going to be faithful. He knew that he was. He knew that even if he had to follow through with the sacrifice, that God was the God of resurrection. We see in the New Testament when they talk about Abraham, they say that God had preached the gospel to Abraham beforehand. He knew about the resurrection power of God. So he goes up. He's about to slaughter his son. And some of you are sitting there like, why would God do? Why would God ever require this of us? He just went through so much. And then the very first verse of chapter 22 says, and then God tested Abraham. Why would God do that? It doesn't seem fair. Well, here's the deal. We don't want fair right in life. Because fair means that we spend eternity separated from God in a real place called hell. That's fair. But he does this because God disciplines those whom he loves. And we serve a God who is so good that he would chisel away anything in our life that takes our focus off of him. And it doesn't have to be a bad thing because a lot of times we allow good things to become bad things because we elevate them above Jesus. But we serve a God who loves us enough to discipline us and to chisel all those things away. We talked about last week how my dad abused me. I'm just kidding. We didn't talk about that. But we did talk about his, his paddle, right? His wooden paddle. We, he drilled some holes in it, made me think that it was just like more aerodynamic and it hurt. But man, if I grew up without a, a dad or a mom who didn't discipline me, then man, that would show that they don't really care that much about me because that's why parents discipline their kids. They try to chisel away the things that they know are bad for them. And as we go through those things as kids, it's like, man, you hate me. You don't love me. You never let me do anything. And then when we become parents ourselves, we think, wow, man, they loved me a lot. Because I got disciplined a lot. Like, they loved me a lot. Thank you. Man, and why would our Heavenly Father be any different? He loves His kids enough to discipline and to chisel away the things that don't need to be there. And right before Abraham is about to sacrifice his son, an angel of the Lord says, Stop. I know that you fear God because you would not withhold your son. You were willing to give everything. The one that you loved more than anything you were willing to give to me. And then he looks over and there's a ram caught in the thicket, in the thorns. And I don't know if you deer hunt, but I don't know if you've ever been walking to, to your deer stand or whatever and you see like a 12 point over there stuck in the thorns just waiting on you to get there, right? This is a miracle. There's a ram being provided for the sacrifice who's caught with thorns on his head. It all points back to Jesus. Here they're on Mount Moriah and they call it, hey, this is the mountain where the Lord will provide. And we find out that 
This same mountain is the same mountain where Jesus was crucified for you and for me. God provided the ultimate sacrifice in the same exact place that this occurred. Man, so when you hear John 3.16, I want you to understand that John 3.16 is pointing to Jesus as the ultimate sacrifice for you and for me. That God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son. That whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. So how can we apply this? What does this mean to us? This is what it means for us. It means that He really loves us. It means that He really loves us. Let's break down John 3.16 really quickly. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. At 1 John chapter 4 says it like this, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent His only Son into the world so that we might live through Him. And this is love, not that we have loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation or substitute for our sins. Jeremiah 31.3 says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Romans 5.8 says, But God shows His love for us. And that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. In 1 Corinthians, it says it this way, I deliver to you as of the first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that He was buried, that He was raised on the third day. So why does it matter that He loved us so much that He sent His Son? This is why it matters. Because we see in the book of Romans that we are all sinners and we've all fallen short of the glory of God. Here's a perfect Holy God who requires perfection from each and every one of us. And maybe you're thinking, well, I'm pretty perfect, right? And that's cool. Man, God bless you. The only perfect person I know besides Jesus is my wife, and she's like 99.9%. I love you. So here we have sinners Right, who have fallen short of the standard of God. And let's not even, a lot, of, a lot of pastors say, well, let's go through the Ten Commandments and see which ones you've broken. Right? I already know you've broken them. I'm, we're not even going to go through that list. I want you to think about the commandments that you make in your own life. How many times have you broken the promise to yourself? Saying, hey, I'm never going to do this again. And then two days later, you do it again. Well, man, you've already broken that. We can't keep the law. That's why Jesus came. To show us that we couldn't. And then He fulfilled that for us and Himself. And you're like, okay, well, I'm a sinner. Big, big deal. What does that even mean? And then you keep reading in the book of Romans and it says, hey, for the wages, the punishment of that sin is death. And death in there is eternal separation from God. And the punishment for your sin, the punishment for my sin is hell, is death, separation from Almighty God. That's why this matters. That's why it matters when Jesus says, hey, for God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. 
He gave his only son because he loved. That the so there is an amplifier for God so loved. He didn't just love, man, he so loved you that he gave his one and only son. That whoever believes. That whoever. Right? Whoever. Man, that means you. You are whoever. And this is what I've seen growing up in church, right? Is Have you ever been in a situation where you were just like, yeah, man, I'm, I'm really in a bad situation, right? You're just looking around, you're like, I'm in a bad situation. I don't really know what to do from this point. Has anybody ever been there? You can be honest. This is a pretty honest church. Okay, cool. Yeah, I've been there. And then how many of you, there's people all around you saying, yeah, man, you shouldn't have done that. You shouldn't have done that. You shouldn't have done that. And you're like, yeah, dude, I know. Right, I get it. You're not much help just saying you shouldn't have done that. But man, growing up in church, I feel like a lot of churches have become that way. Right, that you're going through life and you finally realize, man, I need something. There's, some, there's gotta be some hope for me out there. And then you show up to church and the pastor and people involved in that church are saying, hey, you shouldn't have done that. You shouldn't have done that. You shouldn't have done that. You need to get better. You're like, dude, I know that. That's why I'm here. I don't need you to keep telling me I shouldn't have done that. This is what I want you to know this morning. That you're not just a mistaker that needs to do better. Man, you're a sinner that needs a Savior. Man, you're not just someone who's messing up that needs to try harder and do better. No, we're all sinners who need a Savior. And we need a new life. We need a new heart. We need our minds to be renewed and transformed. And we don't just need to try harder. I'm not, I will never stand up here and tell you that you need to try harder. I will always tell you that you need to allow Jesus to do more. Let's become more like Him and less like the world. Man, you're not just some mistake. You're just a, a normal sinner, just like me, who needs an amazing, supernatural, sovereign, loving Savior. So the third, the third rule I want to tell you is it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you know. It doesn't matter what you've done. And it doesn't matter who you are. And this salvation thing is not a sin management type issue. Uh, we, we try to make it that, right? We try to, how can we manage this sin better? Well, you can't. I'm just going to be honest with you. You can't manage the sin better. This is what sin management looks like to me. I don't know, if you've ever been in the ocean and you got that beach ball, you kind of blow it up and you're trying to push it underwater and you can manage for a little while, but those waves are hitting you. I mean, they're crashing over you and eventually the beach ball shoots up out of the water with a lot of force and then the waves just take it wherever it wants to go. That's sin management. You can push it down, you can push it down and eventually all the waves, all the things of this world are going to come crashing down and that sin's just going to explode and your life is going to go in all kinds of crazy directions. Man, salvation's not about sin management. It's about a personal, intimate relationship with Jesus. And it's for whoever. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. That whoever believes in
him. And I get a little frustrated sometimes because the Greek word here is pastuo, right? For believe. And that's really not a great translation of that word because I think what happens a lot of times is we, we think believe that. If we believe that, then we're good. But there's a difference between believing that and believing in. And pastuo is believing in. Right? So I remember the first time Remember the first time? Not the first time. Maybe the second, third time. I went to a youth camp, and you gotta, you gotta just know me, okay? And when I was a teenager, I don't want to say I was cocky, even though some people may say that. I was just, I was convinced, right, of my abilities and my amazingness, right? So I go to this youth camp. I know there's gonna be a lot of pretty girls there, right? And they do this trust fall thing, and I'm like, yeah, that's cool. We can do a trust fall. I'm strong. So I'm on the trust fall. You just people get up on this little platform and they just fall off and the people catch them. Like, yeah, I'm not going to let you fall. I'll catch you. And then they're like, yeah, you need to get up there. I'm like, well, okay. Yeah. So, you know, I don't like taking risks, right? That's just not who I am. I'm not a, I'm not a risk taker. Um, I don't want to jump out of planes or do anything like that. My dad ran tower cranes. Um, I went up into the top of one of his tower cranes. He moved it, and the whole thing was like shaking. Like, don't ever do that again. Like while I'm up here, it's just not for me, right? I'm not a risk taker. But I'm up there on this platform, and you fall backwards. So these people behind me, and then there's people in line waiting to come up, and I'm like, I'm stuck at this point. Like I'm either falling back, or I gotta walk past these people in like a walk of shame down these steps. And there's really pretty girls in that line, and they are not going to know that I'm a wimp, right? I'm not doing it. So here I am on this platform, and, I, and I'm believing 100% that they're going to catch me. I've watched them. They hadn't dropped anybody yet, and I wasn't this big in high school, right? I was in decent shape. So, yeah, it's easy, right? I'm believing that. I'm believing that they're going to catch me. But man, that does nothing. Until I take the step off of that platform, I'm not pastuo and I'm not believing in them. There comes a time where you have to take the step and you just got to fall. Man, and I fall into their arms and they catch me. Praise Jesus, because I'm here with you guys today. And there's a difference between believing that and believing in. And I'm afraid that a lot of times we talk too much about the believing that and a lot less about believing in. And we see here in John 3.16 that it says that whoever believes in Him, whoever pastuos in Him, whoever believes in, not just believes that, there comes a time where you have to take the step and put your faith and your trust in Jesus. It's not enough just to believe that. As we close this morning, Jesus says seven things on the cross. We're going to wrap this up. We're going to bring this back to the cross and to the resurrection this morning. He says seven things on the cross. We're not going to go through all seven this morning. We just don't have the time to do that. But the first thing he says is, Father, forgive them, for they know, they know not what they do. The last thing he says, which is translated in most of our Bibles, is it is finished. He says, to tell us die. 
And the cool thing to me is that historians have found bank documents with the word tetelestai stamped on them because what it meant in just regular world was paid in full. That this bill, this debt has been paid in full. So Jesus, he he steps up on his his nail-pierced feet and he cries out, Tetelestai, it is finished. It is paid in full. What's paid in full? Your debt. Your sin debt. My sin debt. Paid in full. By the Savior of the world. Man, our sins should separate us from God. But Jesus, being sinless, Jesus being perfect, Jesus being holy, said, no, I'm going to take their place. Now we see in Genesis 22 that the ram was stuck. They catch it and it says they sacrificed the lamb instead of his son. Jesus went to the cross instead of you. Instead of me. So when he pushes up and he says to tell us die, paid in full, somehow that counted for you. It counted for you. And maybe you've never thought that before. Maybe you've never considered the fact that it counted for you. And I want you to know this morning that John 3.16 tells us that He loved the world, the whole world, that He sent Jesus, and that whoever puts duos in Him will not perish but have eternal life. Man, where are you this morning? Man, I, get, I got, my, got my dad to send me a story um, of when I was a, a little kid. I'm guessing maybe two years old or so. And we had a pool um, at my grandparents' house. And a ball went into the pool. And I went in after the ball, right? Can't swim, can't do anything. And, man, the story goes. I don't know how much they've kind of, you know. But the story goes that my dad, being the monster hero dad that he is, right, takes off, jumps in, clothes and all. I don't even think they had cell phones back then, so no cell phone or nothing like that. But jumps off, jumps in the pool, saves his little baby boy. And why did that have to happen? Because I had fallen into just a pool of water and I had no clue how to swim or get out. So I needed my father to run in, to jump into this craziness of the stuff around me, this water, and to pull me out. Because I couldn't do it myself. Man, and that's what it's like being in sin. We fall into this pool of sin and we're so separated from God, but we have a loving heavenly Father who runs and jumps in and snatches us out of sin. None of us are great enough or good enough or important enough to get ourselves out of the mess. We need the power of God 
And he said that for us. Jesus pushes up. He says to tell us that paid in full. That counted for you. You say, man, well, this is about Easter. Easter's about the resurrection. And this is why it matters. This is why it's important. Because we don't worship a dead Savior. We worship a Savior who defeated death. We worship a Savior. Man, people went to the tomb and they're like, hey, oh no, where's Jesus? And they're like, hey, he's gone. Right? He's gone. He's not here. He's risen. And he ascended back to the Father and he sits there making intercession for us. Some of you need to take that next step this morning. Man, because if the tomb is empty, anything is possible. Man, as some of you, you're in an impossible situation this morning. Some of you, you've, you've thought your whole life that you had a relationship with Jesus. You've thought your whole life that because you believed that, everything was good. But this morning, the Spirit is moving in your heart and you're thinking, man, I've never really believed in. I've never put my trust and my faith in Him. And today is the day for you to make that decision. Some of you need to take the next step of faith and where you've given your life to Jesus, but you've never followed up with baptism. We're doing baptism next week. And that baptism is for you to take your next step of faith. Some of you have just wandered away from Jesus. And you need to make the decision and take the next step to come back, to rededicate, to recommit your life to Him. We're going to end the service like we always do with a song of response. I'm going to be up here. We'll have one more person up here for you to come and talk to, but we're here for you. Man, the Spirit is moving. The Spirit is telling you to do something this morning. My prayer is that you're bold enough to do it. My prayer is that you're obedient to the Spirit. Thank you for joining us at the Impact Church Podcast. For this and other messages, visit us online at impactharlem.org. In the meantime, you can subscribe to this podcast, rate and review it on iTunes, and share it with your friends on social media. Once again, thanks for joining us at the Impact Church Podcast.